0: Hey folks,
1: welcome back to the DC3Cast. My name is Brian, with me as always are Zach and Vince. We're going to talk about DC Comics, specifically the comics released on the 18th of October, 2017, so if you haven't read them yet, pause the podcast, go do so, and then meet us back here for discussion. Uh, Not so much breaking news this week, so we're going to get right into our reviews of the books, and um, I'm going to say it, guys, I think this is the worst week in Rebirth
2: so far. Dang. (laughs) I'm gonna agree I'll agree the worst week I
1: can't think of another week that had this many just
2: boring books I fell asleep reading a book this week and my iPad landed on my face oh I do that Um. like once a week (laughs) (laughs) Um.
3: but you are the mercenary I am the mercenary yes you are which is funny, because I think I'm going to end up being the positive one this week. You, Yeah, yeah, I think you are. Uh, yeah,
1: I mean, th- there were still some decent bright spots in this week. Um, but, you know, I think overall, this was just a, a very, very... To me, this is like the worst type of comics week where nothing really happened in these books. And so not only is it not good comic booking it's also not interesting comic booking
3: i think i can get behind that a little bit although there is one book where something very big happened and i'm very excited to talk about there, it there were
1: some couple of bright spots so i'm we'll, we'll talk about it but
2: but let's we'll talk i think about i know it. i think i know which book you're talking about zach i'm gonna i'm gonna file that back in my head and see if i'm right okay it's um it's wonder woman Kona. yeah I,
3: we know it yeah, oh, that's that, that's actually the one that I woke her in this okay. week. <laughs> I
2: figured you would. I think a lot of books this week were um continuations of arcs that I was certain were over. <laughs> 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 oh. It's
1: probably not a good thing. No, It's not. Um so uh Vince had texted me something earlier today and he 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 essentially said that he felt that like, rebirth right now is the same as, or essentially similar in quality to, like, the DCU era of pre-rebirth. And I, I don't know if I'm willing to go that far, but I, I will say that the cracks maybe are starting to show a little bit in rebirth. And so maybe this new age of heroes that is coming at us soon will be a nice distraction from this.
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't think all hope is lost for rebirth or anything. I just think this was a down week. And I think a lot of these books, a lot of these books feel like they're in transition. And I think we kind of talked about that a little bit with, you know, these books that, uh, <clears throat> like how uh, Superman had the couple of death stroke issues that seemed to come out of nowhere. And um, the. Superman story of that involved the, the um, green lanterns and, and, uh and I, I just, I think, and we, yeah. Yeah. And we thought like, Oh, I, we thought this was over, but I guess it's not. It's the, all these, a lot of these books are kind of in some sort of limbo where like, we know that we know that the end of rebirth is sort of coming or the, 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 the beginning of the end is kind of coming in a few months, right? And uh, I feel like a lot of these books are just waiting to get to that point until the thought, next thing.
3: Yeah, I think, I mean, Superman's been in a really bad place for a few months now, and I think yeah. we, we can talk about that in a bit. Um, but man, the DCU comparison, I don't know. I don't know if I'd go that far.
2: Well, and I liked DCU for the most part, but I I, I just feel like like DCU to me was the best time in the new 52 for for quality. And then I feel like rebirth was a clear step above that and now I feel like I'm I'm looking at these books and these last few weeks there's like just as many that are exciting me now as there were back then. When it when it used to be that a lot more of these books were exciting to me. Okay. I guess
3: I was thinking more like where things were then where we had like a lot of cool quirky books but all oh, of the no, main no. books were weird yeah no no okay okay yes yeah see, i hey, I, see, I guess I see what you mean i guess
1: i guess what I think the sort of the overall health of the line is is that the um I think the floor has been raised on most of these books that like just, we're not seeing the level of bad book we were seeing with a lot of the new 52. Uh, there are obviously some notable exceptions there. There's always going to be one or two that are really, really bad. But overall, I just feel like every—I feel like the line is in a better place. Even if the books aren't, the line is in a better place. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um. But let's let's get into the books here. Well, I'm sure these things will pop up organically as we go along so uh first up is aquaman number 29 written by dan abnett illustrated by stepion sayik or i mess up every time but that's all right um this is the continuation of this uh this arc that they have been doing together and we get more volko talking to ghosts and uh yeah i i continue to enjoy this book week in and week out do you guys have any complaints about Aquaman this week?
3: No,
2: not one. No, I don't have any complaints. I also don't have anything too interesting to say about it, considering the quality has been pretty consistent, and I feel like we've set our peace on it. Um, the one thing I did really like about this issue was uh, Arthur kind of... There's a scene where he kind of reestablishes his sense of place or sense of meaning. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, I really liked that. I thought that was a really well done scene and it, it, it showed him thinking about the title of Aquaman and his role as king or former king, as it were, uh, in ways that we haven't seen yet. You know, Arthur being displaced is something that's, that's a situation he gets in a lot in his history. Um, but I feel like Abnett found a intellectually fresh spin on it um in some ways and I think I think it, it it's a nice twist for for an arc that's been really good and and it and it's a, it's a it feels important for him to to identify what it means to be Aquaman again you know agreed
3: yeah yeah there, there were a few things I really liked about this issue. Um, the vocal stuff was still was really great. Um, I thought over the, you know the last few issues we had kind of said that the um, the Garth and Mara stuff was kind of treading water. Ha ha ha, Aquaman pun. <laughs> um, and I felt like this issue, you still had a lot of. They keep beating us over the head with like the, his like history, but um, I thought it was flushed out a little bit better and was a lot more interesting. Um, and then I thought the bit with Merc at the end, was really good. Yeah. That was a nice little surprise. So yeah, I I still really like how this is progressing and the
1: art is just so beautiful. Oh yeah. Yeah. Really, really great stuff. Uh, Let's swing over to Batman number thirty-three, written by Tom King, illustrated by the great Joel Jones.
3: How much? Uh, <laughs> how much does this break your heart, Ben? Uh, <laughs> can
2: Can I say that? Um, she didn't. She didn't. But Joel Jones almost saved this for me. <laughs> It ended up not being the case but uh oh god is it pretty to look at it's might be there are some pages here and some panels that might be some of my favorite stuff that Joel Jones has ever drawn actually there's like a there's like a page where I'm like I'd buy that original art if I didn't know that there was the Tom King Batman script right somewhere in the background you know um yeah Oh, well, man. This was really bad, wasn't it? Yeah.
1: Yeah, this is not good.
3: It it wasn't... I I didn't think it was War of Jokes and
1: Riddle's bad. I mean, Rob... Uh, Damian Wayne crying because he blames himself for his dad fucking Catwoman?
3: He also looks like he's, like... 18 at yeah, this Yeah, I was going to say,
1: Joel Jones has no <laughs> idea how old the various bat psychics are, but that's
2: okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought Damien was the only one that looked wrong, like, incorrectly. Well, aged. he just doesn't,
1: he doesn't look young enough to make the other ones look old enough, if that makes sense. Like, Duke should be the middle ground, right? Right. And, but I, See, so, and I think that comes across. I just feel like they all look like they're the same age,
2: essentially. <laughs> uh yeah. Uh, well, anyway, yeah, that was totally out. This is... I read that and I'm like, this isn't Damien. What the... What is going on? Come on. This should be a layup.
1: Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know? Oh.
3: Um,
2: and then, like, them having to kill the horse because they're out in the desert. <laughs> and... uh yeah just that just seemed like a needless i i thought maybe it was so correct me if i'm wrong but that whole thing with like selena and bruce traveling in the desert selena having to shoot the horse selena having to go essentially it's like now that bruce is with selena selena can do some of the dirtier stuff that bruce won't or doesn't want to or like she's the rougher side of Bruce.
3: Oh man, that's not that's not like exploitive or anything. Yeah, right. First, not of all, only right. that, but
1: this goes back to something Vince had a problem with with the Warren jokes and riddles, which was the idea that like Batman is okay walking up to the line but not crossing it. Like if and letting someone else yeah, exactly. cross he's it. exactly, he's letting someone else cross it. This is even worse than like. I'm going to punch this guy and if he happens to fall off a building
3: I didn't kill him, gravity killed him. Like this is almost worse I'm than gonna, that. I mean, I I would almost maybe argue that that's been like a part of Batman for a long time just because a lot of like people don't know how to to handle a superhero that's like that that is like Batman. Yeah. You know,
2: I I think you're right, but do any of them like explicitly toy with it, or is it more like I, I we're just gonna look we're just gonna look the other
3: like or I mean, is like, it like that's, a, the, that's like the Michael Keaton Batman exactly know? right you is it like yeah this I you feel is like nuts? Direct...
0: let's get nuts
2: <laughs> 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 this town needs an enema uh hey Eckhart I feel think like of this... the future sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel like this comic is specifically trying to call it out and say, like, whoa, look at Batman's letting all these weirdos do this stuff around him. And and I feel like I I, I feel like unless Tom King addresses that pretty dang quick, (laughs) it's it's gotten away from
3: him. You know, what if this run is all about how Batman is just actually not very good. Batman <laughs> is bad.
2: And his parents are the real yeah. villains I, for for dying. I feel
1: like they're going to meet they're going to meet Talia and he's going to be like, "Hey Talia, this is my girlfriend. She killed the horse for me."
0: <laughs> like
2: <laughs> and Talia's going to be like, "Bruce, I don't even recognize Ex- you." Anymore. Exactly, yeah. I don't you're not the man who took my seed. <laughs> that uh, that is exactly how she would say it wait no she wouldn't because
1: I screwed that up <laughs> no she would she would take credit for the uh... <laughs>
2: it was her yeah. seed yeah yeah you're right it was oh. uh... I yeah this is just can we talk more about how good the art is <laughs> <laughs> it is really really good I love the way she draws Catwoman I love the way she drew those scenes in the desert. It's just that the <laughs> series of events was not satisfying to me. Um, I love some of the reactions between the, the, the different Robins and Alfred, you know? Like, I feel like that's done really well when Alfred says that uh, he married Miss Kyle or, or <laughs> proposed to Miss Kyle you know like i feel like everyone's reactions are very uh well drawn very on brand for them <laughs> very on brand well realized um when when catwoman unfurls the whip like i i just think that's a really striking visual you know yeah um there's so much about the
3: art that i just love but oh man it's it's funny how much like Grayson DNA is in this too. Yes. Yeah. Which, which, like, to this point, Nightwing has kind of been that torchbearer, but we forget that, you know, when the parents got divorced, we got these two books, and
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, yep, and neither of them are getting an omnibus. I'll tell you that much.
3: <sighs> but Grayson's just came out. Now this is going to get an omnibus, you know yes, that, right? Yeah, you're right. Yes. 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 it's yep. It's going to yes. have all 100 issues in it. The, <laughs> they're gonna, they're going to
1: have to invent a new term for what this is because everybody loves this run so much. It's going to it's beyond omnibus. It's like you know the God Edition or something.
2: It's, it's you know going like, to be a big leather bound book that just says Bat on it,
3: <laughs> and then you flip it over and it says Cat. Yeah. <laughs> And then you just keep flipping it over, over <laughs> and over again.
1: Yeah, and the good the good yeah. news is the books would be and you so. Tell
3: yourself it's important. You know, it's it's going to be so
1: heavy because it has hundred issues in it that you're going to get as ripped as Batman just by flipping it
3: over. Batcat, Batcat, you'll be in <laughs> great shape. So everybody wins. <laughs> you you know this is I realized this this week. I was just thinking about it. Like this book is definitely going to a hundred issues for sure. Oh yeah, there, there's no doubt because like. Scott Snyder and Capullo did 50 issues, and that was on a monthly. Yeah. Yeah. So we're already at 33. Yeah, it's going to happen. So, Um, sorry, Vince, go ahead. I also want to shout out the very
2: last page where they show Talia and they show, like, that weird orgy that's happening in
3: her. (laughs) Yeah. How many orgies have we seen in mainstream DC comics? I don't know, but it's really, I like the way that she drew it. It's very artful. It's just like
2: that Kanye video. It's, yeah, (laughs) it is. It is, it's, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Uh, Zach, you had
1: teased us in a text earlier this week that you had a Tom King hot take.
3: Yeah, it's. I think I'm, it's not as, I said semi-hot you did, take. You Because did. I didn't want to play it up lukewarm too much, take. but it was a lukewarm take. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't about this issue, but in a way, I guess it kind of is. Um, in an interview on entertainment weekly where they announced the swamp thing winter special um tom king was talking about the F- swamp thing story that he's doing with Faybach and he when, in talking about it he said um said this is not a story about hope this is a story about anxiety this is like when you go to to the movies to see it you're not going for the romance and the laughs and the friendship you're going to get close to darkness so that when you come out you can smile at the light um i kind of took umbrage with this quote just because i think maybe maybe you can make that argument about the film but I, I think then like this is gonna be like a small like very focused nitpick, but it speaks to like broader things. Like I think here we're seeing King like missing, like not just missing, but actually like getting the whole thing wrong. Like the things that he thinks that this one piece of fiction is about, I would argue are like I think he's getting it backwards. You know, like that's a book that's like very much about the the those, like, lighter things. Right. Um, But he comes to it and he sees... No, it's about the darkness. (laughs) Um, And so maybe... It, like, makes me question what he sees when he sees these things you know it's it's weird that he has had so many successes if this is how he's like approaching these properties um it makes me wonder what he sees when he approaches like the omega men and it's like a kyle rayner story and what he thinks about kyle rayner and how we ended up getting what we got um and it makes me wonder what he sees when he approaches a Batman story. And I think we're already kind of seeing, We, I mean, we've got 33 issues of proof that maybe he doesn't quite have a great... Maybe his takeaway from Batman isn't the one that we would necessarily think rings true with the core of the character. So I don't know. I just thought that like one quote about a like fairly large pop culture icon and his takeaway from it... Was a little telling into the mind of Tom King.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: No, I think that's really
2: that's a really good point, Zach.
1: Yeah, I agree. I also think it's very different. Like nobody goes into it expecting it to be something that it isn't. Whereas I feel like when you buy a Batman comic, there's there's a plurality of things that could mean. Like it's not not all Batman comics are the same. This would be like saying that i you know, so I worked at a movie theater for five years, and there were always parents who would come in and say shit like you know, I thought the Matrix was a movie for kids, and you'd be like, Well, no, you should just like look at anything about the movie and you'll see that it's not a movie for kids, but I did feel bad one time when um <laughs> and this is a hilarious example if you've seen the movie where a parent brought their kid to see Team America World Police. Jeez. Because they, fuck yeah, yeah exactly. Because they they just saw puppets and they're like, oh, this has to be a kids' movie. And like, I can understand that the like, the first song in that movie is the the fake rent song. Everybody has AIDS, you know. Like, uh-huh. so I I, I can see the uh, you know the the shock to the system with that, but like again, when you go into certain things, you know what to expect, and there are certain things that Batman represents, and not all of it is the darkest possible thing.
2: Yeah. Um, This kind of goes... This kind of dovetails into it, but, uh, you know, another... To tack on to what you're saying, Zach, um, we didn't talk about this on the show, I don't think, but I think we texted about it. At New York Comic Con, did you you guys see their answers to... They were on a Batman panel, and it was like Scott Snyder, Tom King, uh, James Tiny, and I want to say Marguerite Bennett was there, and then uh, Sean Murphy was there. And they were all asked, who's Batman's greatest ally, and who's their greatest enemy? And Tom King said... Batman's greatest enemy is the person who shot parents because he's never gotten over it. (laughs) And I was like, that tells me everything I need to know. Like, of course, you know, Sean Murray, his greatest enemy is actually himself because, of course, he's writing the book where Batman's the bad guy right Right. So... But Tom, Tom King's answer was so instructive because, like, maybe that is the way Tom King sees it, and it clearly informs his entire run. And beyond, like, scripts that I think are just overwrought and not as clever as they think they are, I think we're just dealing with a guy who just sees Batman in a way that, well, I'll speak for myself, I won't speak for you guys, I just don't agree. Like, I think everything about Batman has been that he gets over the murder of his parents by fighting crime and by fighting the source of crime. And and he's not... Tom King frames, like, the, the death of his parents have screwed him up so much that he's not sure of himself or what he's doing or if it's right. And in reality, like, no, the, the thing that, that he found in his life that is right is the fight against crime. You know, that's not, that's not the thing that's screwing him up. Right. Right. That's what I think. I I
1: feel like King is somewhat arguing against the classic idea that Bruce Wayne is the mask and Batman is who he really is. I feel like for King it's the opposite. It's the the like he fundamentally wants to be Bruce Wayne but can't. And I feel like that's that's not at all how I see Batman. Yeah. Anyway, this issue sucked. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh let, let's jump ahead to Batman the Drowned, the Dead Abnett written uh Philip Tan or Billy Tan? Philip. Philip Tan. Tan Illustrated uh Dark Knights Metal tie in. This is gender swapped Batman with uh Sylvester Kyle instead of Selena Kyle.
3: Very clever.
1: Suffer <laughs> fuck <and> <laughs> I thought I thought the world drowned. Um Yeah. Uh Second week in a row, I did not care at all for this tie-in.
3: Yeah. This was, a uh... This wasn't as bad as the Dawnbreaker. But, it, I mean, it just was, you know. Batman the Drowned is. mm <laughs> Yeah, that's just something people say because it sounds
2: great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um yeah. The Dawnbreaker was offensively bad by like trying to be overly violent and trying to be shocking, and this was just Batman the snooze more than anything. <laughs> and I feel like we're gonna we're gonna break the record for how many times we've said snooze on this show on this episode. Yeah, probably. But I I tried looking deeper than the surface. Oh, Aquaman joke again. Um, and really, there's nothing in this issue except like that makes it really interesting. Except for oh, it's a gender swap Batman, which is great. Like that's the only part that I appreciated about this. Everything else was just like, imagine what if Batman w- was Aquaman? Yeah. yeah, there is
3: like a like nod to those. Um... Those monsters that were in the least interesting story arc of uh, Abnett's Aquaman so far. Mm-hmm. I can't even remember what they're called. The Deluge? The Hard, the hard Waters? <laughs> Are they? No, that's not right.
2: Uh, it, <laughs> the Hot Cops?
1: <laughs> uh, I think it was Hard Water. Really? Okay. It was, it was even dumber um, than I thought, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, again, like, there, parts of this looked really nice. We, we got some of the good Philip Tan, some of the mediocre Tyler Kirkham here. Um, you know, this just confirms everything I've been saying about these tie-ins so far, which is just that it's it's not telling a story that I needed to hear. And this one, maybe more than any of the other ones, really doesn't tell you anything new about this character. Mm-hmm. I
3: still, I still stand by the the Flash and the cyborg ones that they were good. They were good, like on their own.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think they had bigger aspirations than this did.
3: Yeah, this was like the MacGuffin. Here is like, Bryce Wayne experiments on herself to make herself a amphibious creature, basically, like. In like a really creepy, weird scene. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Yeah. This was a, a mediocre comic. You have uh,
1: you have a higher threshold for mediocrity than I do.
3: <laughs> I mean, it was. It wasn't offensively bad like Dawnbreaker was. No. I mean, on the scale, I feel like this drifts closer to just mediocre. Like it, it's technically fine. Okay. It's it's it,
2: it's just someone. It's just a mercenary job. It's just like someone. Hey, we have to do seven of these or whatever. We don't really. There's not a really great idea for this one. or We got to do it anyway. There's just so little here.
1: I will say, and I don't even mean this as a joke, even though I'm going to phrase it as a joke, uh, the costumes did look great.
3: (laughs) Yeah, they did. That's a 10 out of 10, man. This was was some of the best Philip Tan we've had in a long, long time. Yeah. It was. I think a good part of it is that Dean White coloring. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: It was the good Philip Tan. Like, there wasn't my my problem with philip tan is that there there's a there's a version of his art where he just he draws everything or else at least at least he, he sells you that he's drawn everything and then there's another version where he draws like the characters and then the background seem to come from somewhere else and maybe he drew them too but they but everything looks transposed on top of one another rather than as part of the same image and that that's not what you get here and so it was better in in that way
3: Um, I did notice it's taken me this long to pick up on it, but, um, I noticed these, these tie-ins, um, their convergence tick where you remember how, like in convergence and the tie-ins, like every single issue had the, the like announcement. Yes.
0: Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh
3: god. In in these books, it's just, um, the Batman who laughs showing up to talk about how twisted everything (laughs) is. Yeah. 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 For every single book.
2: Yeah. Batman, what those cards do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh so I, I do want to point out something that our uh, our friend, former guest of the show, Alice W. Castle, said on Twitter. She essentially said that metal is flashpoint for people who liked the Dark
2: Knight too much.
3: <laughs> uh
2: Alice, I I love Alice. I, I think I anytime she logs onto Twitter. It's like the most exciting time of my day, probably because usually it's about like comics or, or entertainment, and it's a break from all this crappy political stuff. But also, like, she's just got really good opinions, and I see what she's saying. But this is a lot more fun than Flashpoint ever yes. was. I think
1: I will say the tie-ins. Are, I'll, I'll agree with that assessment.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah, 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 for sure. I, yeah from a pure fun standpoint like I cannot deny that this is way more fun than flashpoint yeah um aside from that I can see the comparison but uh yeah and and definitely like years from now I'll only probably ever revisit the main title, yeah. the just the just the metal issues again because they're actually fun,
1: yeah. Anything else to add before we move on? No. Well, um, continuing this news train, let's go over to Batwoman, number eight, written by Marguerite Bennett, illustrated by Fernando Blanco. Uh, also, very odd cover, it looks like she's trying to crack her back, (laughs) uh, rather than throw a punch (laughs) on this cover, um,
3: but... (laughs) This was a snooze train.
1: There's nothing this, going on in this comic.
3: But the, do you know what? There's a lot of like. I read this book, and the first thing like I couldn't shake the the like pretty deadly influence.
0: You're not wrong about like, that. There's so yeah. much
3: like there's so much like pretty deadly imagery in here with like the skeletons and the the roses and even like the coloring and. Mm-hmm. Um. This seems like just a really blatant riff on that.
1: This is no pretty like, answer.
3: Yeah. No, it's not at all. That's a great
2: comparison, though. This is the book that I, that the, where the iPad fell fell on my face.
3: By the way, yeah. Also, I'm so glad that the like the the um, Scarecrow from the Arkham Asylum games is canon now. <laughs> I was, that's like really been bothering me. <laughs> they did it just for you. They did it. Yeah. I just was like, man, that's the best Scarecrow design I've ever seen. And man, if I could just make it into the comics, then 10 <laughs> out of 10.
2: Um, my, my thing about this book is that I, I like so many of its ideas. And yet, it spends so much time on things that I don't need. Or, like, too much information at times. Um, uh,
3: Go go ahead ahead. ahead and finish. I I thought you were done.
2: No, I was just going to say, like, we've said in previous issues how, like, it would go back to the the Isle of Coriana the last year. When we were we were wanting to see things moving forward, and it kept going back to that lost year, you know. And I I'm so interested in what in the vision that Marguerite Bennett has for this character that I I don't I get disappointed every time we go back. Yep. That
3: continues to be the case. Um, but yeah, Zach, you were gonna say. Um, this issue set off a bunch of science alarms for me because <laughs> Scarecrow is doing all these exper- experiments with all these like infectious disease agents and things but then somehow he like doses them with what I assume to be like the the products of that but like it's not like I don't know maybe, maybe this wasn't supposed to be some kind of like infectious agent but like he just doses them and they're like hey just kidding we're okay um, I felt like that wasn't s- explained or fleshed out very well because it seems like they should just be infected with some like awful disease now. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe it was just supposed to be like fear toxin gas stuff, but if that was the case, why well, show that they were ex- that he's ex- it's just like oh here's anthrax, <laughs> <laughs> bubonic plague. <laughs>
1: I, don't know. <laughs> I think I'm also done with comics that are essentially like a psychedelic trip for a while, and I'm not talking about like really. I'm, That's
3: like all comics now, but though.
1: I, I don't even. I don't even mean like the um, the stylization of that. I mean like literally a psychedelic trip. Like, like okay. this is this is this issue was written because somebody was like, you know what we need? We need Batwoman to hallucinate some shit, and I, I just find that to be so
2: boring. <laughs> Yeah, it was a lot like the last issue of uh B- bug.
1: That was fun and that's <laughs> nope. the purpose. This does not.
2: No, you're you are incorrect, Brian. You shut your
1: stupid mouth, Brian. Vince, I don't know why you just gave your social security number out on the air, but uh and why your voice changed when you did it, but uh you know, I don't know why you would do that. I, I would I would heavily advise against that.
2: We're just trying to throw some uh, some red meat at Paul I <laughs> yeah. here, well, and, and Kevin Gregory. Like,
1: Kevin, uh, Multiversity staff. Kevin, Kevin Gregory. Gregory
2: told me today he likes
1: it when we fight. So, okay, yeah.
2: I'm going to start coming up with like uh, wrestling promo style <laughs> things for when you when you like disagree on a book or something. Mm-hmm. Brian, I'm going to come to your house. I'm gonna break your face. I don't know. I don't have anything good this time, but next time I will you also need
1: to figure out a way to differentiate yeah, gonna... that from Info Rorschach, because that was that was pretty close.
0: <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> Herm. Yeah. Folks That's all you get this week. I, I didn't I don't have any quotes this week okay. For... okay.
1: Uh do we have anything to say about Future Quest Presents?
3: I liked it. That's all. Against all odds, I liked it. We've been talking about how.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh
2: boy, there's just something about like there was something really pure, pure adventure about this, and like they're not trying to they're not trying to overcomplicate things. At the end, I loved the end when they're like wow, six tons of ore only made nine power bands. That's just such like a very like comic booky y Hanna-Barbera idea, yeah, you know? Yeah. And then it was like legitimately heartwarming to have Space Ghost be like, uh, you know, yes, I have to find the right people to wield these. And he like winks and smiles at them, you know, as if like, you know, it could be, it could be you even, right, you know? Yeah. And, like. It was just it, just something very, like, pure adventure about this. I liked it a lot. There was some really shitty art in the middle of the issue. but <laughs> really, really, I didn't... See, I was enjoying it so much that I
3: didn't notice. Yeah, what, I thought this, this, was, uh, this was good, Bad Ben Oliver.
1: <laughs> Zach, I would never say the things about your mother you just said about mine. I can't believe you would go there. This is really... <laughs> this is really pushing it.
3: <laughs> oh, this is an abuse of power.
2: <laughs> Are you referring to like when the when the like crystal monster's head pops off? And
1: no, um, what, uh, no. If you have the, the the PDF open, I'm talking about page like let's see what we got here. Uh. Like page twelve ish area where the backgrounds are so clearly
2: like a jpeg put through a filter, oh yeah, oh yeah, i okay, I see it now, <laughs> see, I breezed right past that while I was reading it, yeah, that's just like really really bad uh comic booking right there, yeah, you're right i hate I hate when artists do that, um. Yeah. Oh. Sticks out like a sort of thumb now. Yeah. Thanks, Brian.
3: It does look like now now I'm like flipping through it and it's on I'm not sure what page it's on in the PDF because 'cause I'm on Comixology, but it's page sixteen on Comixology where um the bad guy is like looking through a view screen and it looks like he's like looking out at Coruscant from <laughs> yep. like episode two or something. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah yep. Uh <laughs> Yeah, you know, this is kind of what I was talking about with with the bad Philip Tan, too. Like, he is liable to do stuff like that. Like, his issues of Hellblazer. The backgrounds all seemed like they were just filtered pictures or else drawings that he did separately and, like, just placed characters over. Or else they came from somewhere else. We're gonna we're gonna be reading a DC com a DC or Marvel comic sometime in the next five years. And somebody is going to uh lightbox over the meme of the guy walking with his girlfriend and looking <laughs> back at at a autofocus uh woman walking yep. by. That's going to be Greg Land is gonna
3: Greg Land's already done that. He's already done that, yeah. That needs to be like a legit like super dickery cover where like...
2: <laughs> oh you're right yes it does it, it, it's like uh
3: oh man DC meme variant covers <laughs> guys hire us we're available <laughs> trust me
2: S- Superman walking w- holding Lois's hand uh with an out of focus um
1: if this was the new 52 it would be Wonder Woman
2: yeah yeah i was gonna just see if it. i was gonna say something way worse um <laughs> uh, we'll just say lana <laughs> 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 all right well
1: before we get into the next book let's have a quick break we'll be back in just a second with more dc greencasts
3: Subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show.
1: And we're back with Green Arrow number 33, written by uh, Benjamin Percy, with art this week from um, you know, Jamal, Jamal Campbell. Cam- yeah, I, What I was going to say is I, I feel like Jamal Campbell has slid in really nicely with... Um, with Otto Schmidt and Juan Ferrera, where each of them obviously has their own styles, but there's there's just enough commonality between the three that it doesn't feel jarring when someone takes on an issue.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> his, his his art has sort of like the softness and the tone of Juan Ferrera's, and and sort of the darker appearance, but it's got kind of the the cartoonish expression of uh, what Otto Schmidt does.
3: Yeah, yeah, this is good, Jamal Campbell. It's We've good, it, yeah. It's good. There's a there's a lot of banging in this issue. <laughs> it's a very
2: horny issue. Yep. Um, on the title page, which it's inter it's interesting because the the title of the issue is Homecoming, and and home and home home is in a different font than coming. <laughs> Um, it's an interesting choice, especially considering what's going on in the panel below, mm-hmm. which are two of this week's winners for the when you nut face <laughs> of the week. <league>. Yeah. <laughs>
1: you mean our new recurring segment, Who Nutted Best? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, it was it was either Ollie or Dinah. Yeah. I can't pick between the two of them. But. I was going to
1: say, when Ollie has his beard, he looks like homeless dad.
3: <laughs> um, I just want my city. Yeah, exactly. Maybe weirdest part of this issue is when Emmy and the lawyer are in the car, and it looks like Emmy is like <laughs> fantasizing about. Yeah, it's weird.
2: He's uh, he's catching up with friends. Yeah. <laughs> she's
3: uh, he's biting
2: her ear off, basically yeah
1: in my notes I just wrote ghost fucking
2: yes <laughs>
3: uh, but other I, I thought I thought this was a good issue. this was a good issue yeah this is fine yeah this book is still pretty interesting I th- this is a book that has just
2: the kind of pacing that I like where like they can take an entire issue off to to bone down essentially <laughs> yeah and
1: yeah. and they'll get back to to business next week but yeah 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 nothing more to say it's a, it's a good comic um that brings us to green lanterns number 33 written by new series writer tim Seeley, illustrated by uh why, are, why is what is wrong with my hair this week um
0: and what yeah
1: man i I forgive my handwriting is atrocious um <laughs> this
2: was so funny nothing you oh you oh, me.
3: you're oh, just so my. you
2: oh me oh my
1: um don't
3: stop being you uh,
1: I'll do my best thanks guys uh this was a fucking snooze I'm sorry I wanted to like this book this was really boring
2: Yeah, I, I I love Tim Seeley, uh, but I ha- I hate to say I agree. Um...
3: Don't don't you feel like Simon Baz is just like the worst character? And he doesn't in, have in in Rebirth at least like he's he's certainly the worst written. He's just he's just always comes off as like really selfish and like extremely like macho and kind of I, he's just I don't know I don't know why he's kind of gotten shoehorned into this strange role that he—that he's in because I thought he was like a really cool character when he was first introduced um, maybe not cool interesting he was an interesting character well Brian Brian, you asked me earlier
2: if you think if if I thought the characters were the problem. You said maybe the characters are the problem.
3: Zach, what do you think? Well, I think the characters are definitely, at least the way that they're written.
1: Because uh, let me say this too: I even think these characters are boring in Justice League. I don't think yeah. anything has really been done. There have there been little moments in both books that have been fine, but there hasn't been anything in either book where. I feel like, oh, thank goodness that these two have their own book and they're part of Justice League instead of, you know, just think about it. We could have on the Justice League Kyle Rayner and Guy Gardner or Jon Stewart and Hal Jordan or Kilowog or any other Green Lantern Corps member would be more interesting than these two. They're just, they're very one, they become very one-note characters. And when they were both introduced initially, they were not so one-note. I feel like one of the things about Jessica was that, you know, her anxiety was such a huge part of her, and now the anxiety only pops up like I don't want to say as a punchline, but I feel like it's not treated the same way it was when she was starting. I know the character has to grow, but I I I don't know. I just feel like there's something about something intrinsically about these characters right now that are just present presenting boring, boring stories.
3: Yeah, Vince, how did you feel about this issue killing off? Uh- Space Carly Ray Jepsen. <laughs> Carly Spay Jepsen for space. Oh, oh boy. Uh, Carly Ray Jupiter.
2: Ooh. Um, I was just trying. I was Call trying to figure out Jepsen. a way to. <laughs> <laughs> Carly the sun's rays uh, Jepsen. That's the worst one. Yet. Yeah, probably. Um, I was trying to figure out a way to shoehorn her into this, and uh, I'm glad you went there, Zach. Um, I would have cared a lot more if it was actually Carly Ray Jepsen that needed rescuing. That's for if sure. If this was
1: like a uh, a 1994 Valiant comic, it would have been.
2: Yeah, or if it was like um, that Wolverine comic where he's uh, with the restaurant guy,
3: the, the, or it was written by the <laughs> chef. Oh, yeah. Or if it was like the recent Kentucky Fried Chicken with crossover <laughs> yes. issues.
2: We, I think we need to make this a thing. DC, let DC3 write your Carly Rage Epson tie-in. DC comic.
3: We know you've been pursuing her for a long time. Yes. And you just haven't <laughs> found the right team to sell it. <laughs> Vince has his manifesto yes. that is twice as long. <laughs> As um, was it Max it Landis? It was Max Landis. Yeah, Lex Max Landis. Yeah, Max Landis. Oh boy. Um,
2: I I do have a a drawing that's on MultiversityComics dot com of Supergirl drawn mixed with the uh, cover of Carly Rae Jepsen's last album. That was me. I did that. You did. I did. No one can take that away from I'm you. Saying. <laughs> Let's take this issue away from us. Yeah, anything else to say here? No, I just think it's. um, th- This was an issue that tried to do the pacing of Green Arrow where it gave the characters some time to do their own thing. Like, they're literally both getting jobs, right? Mm-hmm. Except they had to make it like, they had to make it, they had to take that in the most obvious direction, you know? Like, oh, Simon's going to do something with cars because he uh, liked to street race, you know? And and we're going to deal with that again, you know? And I don't know. There was a, Zach, did you notice the big art mistake with the, dialogue that was pointed in the wrong place by the way during that scene where yeah i think i noticed that i'm pretty sure i did simon says there's something i should tell you before we go any further and then the person who's interviewing him says i have a sheet i used to street race a lot and well Mm -hmm. then that same character says kids stop (laughs) if i excluded people for that i wouldn't have anybody to flip those tires so that word balloon was totally going to the wrong character which so that is this week in DC? Please hire the DC Three cast to edit your books. We read them all anyway.
3: I guess I, I maybe that one you could you could maybe read it that she like was predicting what he was going to say because she hears that kind of thing a lot. You I would have maybe thought read I would it have, like that.
2: I would have thought that too, except for the and well dot 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 at the end. Because then in the next panel, it's, I like she's, it's like she's cutting him off, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe you're right, but then I feel like that last little bit wouldn't be there. Yeah. What What do I know? I'm no writer, so.
1: I um. I want this book to be good. I'm not giving up on Tim Sealy's Green Lanterns. I just think that there's something intrinsic about this book that doesn't work right now. And I don't know if any creative switch could help that.
3: we've just got too many green lanterns, yeah
2: i also do I also do think both of these characters suffer by having to share one book, yeah, sure, you know what I mean, yeah. like I felt that from the very start, like okay, you're gonna pair two new characters up. And I kind of feared the whole time that neither of them would get
3: their due, you know. Yeah. 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 I think it would have made more sense if it had, you know, we had kind of kept the the late New Fifty Two status quo, where like Jessica's on the Justice League, Simon could be doing thing. I don't know. Like, give each character a distinctive thing. Yeah. You know.
0: Hmm.
1: Instead of having four issues of the two Lantern books, I would much rather have one issue each of four Lantern books. Mm. And that way you can give everybody a little bit more time to do what they should be doing. Yeah. Well, that brings us to Justice League number 31, the final issue of the Brian Hitch, soon-to-be Omnibus run. Um, No. (laughs) Uh, Written by Hitch, illustrated by Fernando Pizarin. And, um, I started off really enjoying this arc, and I hated this issue,
3: yeah, it was uh... I... what was the point of this run?? <laughs>
1: I'm looking for the quote that I'm, I'm, I'm going to pull up that's going to sum up all of my frustrations. But keep talking amongst yourselves, guys.
2: All right. So the point of the point of this run was we're going to do like authority style arcs, six issue arcs, um, except they're going to be extremely boring. But they're going to they're going to kind of look like they're going to give you that look and feel of of the authority drawn by hitch
3: what uh what happened at the end what was that panel with the three lights and the waterfalls and the hole in the ocean was that this thing like teleporting out that's or what was i that, thought. yeah was that like a, that's like a really big hole in the ocean
2: <laughs> they just killed millions yeah. of fish on their way
3: out <laughs> And, like, I feel like this was all supposed to tie back to the Kindred stuff from the first arc. And it really didn't. And it really, really didn't. And, like, what about those singing stones? Like, that was a thing. Yeah. Um, You remember way more about this than I do. And, like... I mean, there were a few things I liked about this issue... There was some cool like lantern stuff that you know the white lantern really, and green
1: really... and uh, black lantern working together. That stuff
3: that was pretty cool. Yeah. I I would read a book with these characters. The kids, yeah, sure, yeah. Um,
1: so here here is a line I want to talk about. So after everything's copacetic and they're all saying goodbye, Barry is talking to his daughter. And says, of course you guys won't cease to exist. You already do exist. Alternate timelines, divergent futures, it's all good. That, first of all, sounds like like a filler dialogue that we're going to go back and fix, but they never did. Um, but it's also, and I know Vince loves when I reference this, it's the fucking um, thing from Beer Fest where you're just undoing everything that just happened. Is it, You can call me Landfill because I'm his identical twin. Like... It's it's just it's undoing all the work that this issue, this whole arc was about maybe the, they'll cease to exist. They're going to fail and they'll cease to exist. Then Barry's like, "Nah, that can't happen." It's cool. Wink. Like it's so it's
2: so lazy. So lazy. Are are we the uh spiritual successor to Broken Lizard? Oh god, I hope so.
1: That means that in like ten years we'll kickstart the DC Three cast two, and uh, we'll make millions of dollars doing it. <laughs>
2: mm, yeah, and I will direct several episodes of the new season of Arrested Development. Oh, you beat me to it. Okay,
1: um, I will be a talking head on an unfunny talking head show. Cause those guys are always on the shows.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but Zach is Zach is Farma <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, This is a bad comic Yeah
3: Unfortunately
1: Yeah It's a shame What's not a shame Is Super Sons Number 9 Written
2: Super Sons Yeah I think you skipped one What did I skip? Night-
3: Night- oh. Nightwing
1: Oh Freudian slip there. All right, we'll talk about Nightwing. Um, I'm kidding.
2: I thought it was fine. No, it wasn't great. It was fine. This is is a big snooze, too. This this
1: is is Nightwing 31, written by Tim Seeley, illustrated by um, Miguel Mendonca. And uh, this was okay. I I know you guys are not... not feeling the blockbuster stuff, and I understand that, but at least this had some, like, something happened in this issue.
0: Um,
2: I just don't, they're trying to do some sort of, like, uh, like, gangster angle, like, like some sort of mob angle with Blockbuster and company, and but like like a Miami, there's like a Miami Vice Party in the gangster city when the heat is on. Yeah, all night on the beach to the break of dawn. Not surprised to see Slice alone to
3: Miami. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but it's just I, I'm not buying it, and like I I don't I don't. I don't think I don't think the mob stuff is written all that well. I think it I think it's very like contrived for the character. And it's just not the right it's not the tone that I want from like the villains that Nightwing traditionally deals with. I don't know. There's comic has a weird vibe now that I'm really not digging. Well, do
1: you want to hear my theory on that?
2: Sure. I think that essentially
1: Celia was supposed to be in the book for longer than he is. And that when they told him, like, oh, no, you're off the book, he had to wrap everything up much quicker than he had anticipated. And so that's why you're getting... So you had to bring in Raptor and the... Yeah. So you're kind of seeing, like, you would think that if, if... If he wasn't leaving the book, you would think, like, the Helena stuff would get its own arc. And then the Raptor stuff would get its own arc. And then, like, the end of the, um... Of Sean's like arc would be would be would be more short up like but everything's kind of happening at once and because of that there needs to be like some sort of overarching um, event or character that is causing all this stuff to happen all at once and that is blockbuster that's that's sort of the character that's like that's that's tasked with with stitching all this disparate stuff together and I think depending on your tolerance for that character and your tolerance for like, I I like this book, but I I was loving it when I felt like Sealy was controlling the pace really well, and this pace just feels all over the place.
3: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That hell and stuff. I really don't care for that. I'm I'm kind of sad that this is how this run is going to go out. Yeah. 'cause this started off as one of our favorites
1: absolutely mm-hmm.
3: yeah the first art first couple arcs were so good mm-hmm. and, all the way uh, up
1: till that um that issue with Damien with the um the one that's like the metal uh
3: prelude
0: mm-hmm.
3: yeah yeah that whole the the um dr hurt arc yeah was super great. I think that was the last time I've loved this book. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And now hopefully we we don't we're going to lose it and hopefully we don't just get an a bad green lanterns run too out of it. Ugh.
3: Yeah, I don't know. This I wonder if that's like a placeholder thing.
1: I think I think that book's ending. Hmm. I said I said that a few weeks ago. I feel like they're going to yeah. they're going to shift that book around a bit. Mhm. So, we'll see. Now, we'll get the Super Sons number 9 written by Peter Tomasi, illustrated by Jorge Jimenez and Carmine DJ Domenico. Um This was a uh This was a super fun issue,
2: guys. Mhm. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. This this is doing a thing that I never thought this book was going to do. Like I thought this would be a uh, kind of small-scale book, you know? Yeah. And we're nine issues in, and they're fighting a living planet, essentially.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> it rules. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, some really great like moments for these <laughs> characters, too. Just like, man, the bit at the end where they're all hanging out in the in the Kent kitchen and like some of the like Damien Clark, uh, dialogue is just, it's just so good. And it's, it's kind of like a rapport that I never would have expected to read. Um, you know, in like a post new 52 world.
1: Yeah. Mm. -hmm. Um, I want to share with you guys one of the best lines in rebirth. It's um, it's when they're talking to the two heroes and they find out that they're just Clay. And, uh, you know, he says, like, sh- the one character says, we want to help, but what can we do? And um, John says, you do what every hero does the best you can. And then Damien says, geez, you sound like your dad. And John says, thanks, <sighs> I'll take that as a compliment. That's, that's like the perfect distillation of those two characters
2: in one bit of dialogue. Yeah. So great. Yeah, that was wonderful. That was fantastic. Yeah, we we were trying to decide earlier how uh, Damian Wayne would know who Karnak the Magnificent is. <laughs> he calls this character Karnak as a joke. Zach. Zach, you're the resident millennial. Do you know who Karnak is?
3: Um, do you mean uh, the guy with the green face paint from Inhumans?
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes.
3: No, the Johnny Carson thing? Oh, yes. Okay, I I am familiar. Yes. Zach Zach Wilkerson, (laughs) Brian
1: Salvatore, and Vince Ostrowski. Name three Ah studs.
3: (laughs) You are correct, sir.
2: That's some weird, wild stuff. Um... How does how does a 13-year-old raised by the League of Assassins know who Karnak is? That's what I want to know.
1: Only reruns right? in uh in uh the league.
2: <laughs> all uh all Bruce will let Damien watch is wholesome late night TV <laughs> ever since that communist Jimmy Kimmel got on the air.
1: <laughs> I feel like the League of Assassins has like one VHS tape that <laughs> it's like a best of Carson. <laughs>
2: it's, it's Caddyshack too. It's
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, so like all of their references are, are intrinsically tied to this one VHS tape. And it's like taped off TV too. You know, so there's there's old commercials. So Damien, Damien gets into the real world and he's like looking for,
2: uh, you know, stuff that no longer exists. <laughs> Rachel Ghoul is like, I must travel to America to find this Dolly Parton. (laughs) Uh, She will not work nine to five
1: in my arms. (laughs) Oh, boy. This is a super fun issue, and uh, I am so glad that this book exists.
2: Yeah. One of DC's best, month in and month out. Yep.
1: Something we don't say enough on this show... Thank you, Dan Jurgens, for creating Jonathan Kent. Yeah.
0: Yeah,
1: thanks, Thank Dan. Yeah. Well, we got Superman number 33 up next, the first part of the Imperious Lex storyline. This is uh, written by Tomasian and Gleason, illustrated by Doug Monkey. This brings back uh, sort of the apocalyptic stuff from the Dark Side War, as well as... Uh, the first time we've seen Lex as Superman in a bit. And, uh, yeah, what'd you guys think of this issue?
3: It's, uh, I'm really surprised that this story isn't happening in action. Yes, agreed. I mean, I'm fine that it's not happening in action. But, that's more like Lex's side of things anyway. And it seems like Juergens has been the one to carry on a lot of Jeff Johns's threads more, you know, he's handling the Oz stuff more. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've been excited for this arc for a really long time and have been, you know, kind of disappointed by how, uh, how long it's taken to get here. um, and I'm even kind of more disappointed by how almost nothing happens in this issue.
1: <laughs> Vince?
2: Yeah, I... After the first few pages, I expected to love this. It feels really important, and it's presented in a really important way. And it like, weirdly petered out for me during the Superman-Lex stuff. They're essentially, like, saving the city together. And then he gets, uh, like, a new gods thing strapped on his head. And he essentially gets abducted to go be the ruler of Apocalypse again. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know. the I, I feel like there's a story I'm really interested in here. But something about the pacing was just
3: way off. There's a... There's more of... Clark just not being able to be nice to Lex. <laughs> just like, oh dang, Lex is calling me, not answering. Yeah, this. that that yep. felt very out of character.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. But I did, I did kind of like how his excuse was like, ah, he just wants to show me some. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Like he's just calling me. Like I feel like I I pictured Lex texting him like you are exactly yes exactly like he's texting him booty calls. <laughs> Um, hey, man,
3: you're free to sell (laughs) (laughs) Uh Don't tell Lois. I'll also say... Girl's not allowed.
1: (laughs) There is not a, a Philip Tan level distinction between great monkey and good monkey, but this was not great monkey this month. It was fine, but it wasn't, like, his best work.
3: Yeah, I felt like the, like, kind of, Vince said, I think the, um... Like, the f- Fourth World stuff at the beginning looked better. Mm. Like, those opening pages were really good. Yep. But then I think when you get to some of the, like, Superman stuff, like, there's one page that really irked me. Um, it's, like, a page where they're standing next to each other. And, like, Superman looks like he's, like, drawn. Like, he, he's, like... Diagonal like his entire yeah. it's like you he's you stood him up and then you just kinda slanted him. Yep. Yep. And and Lex looks like Mr. Spinning from Mall Rats, like he just made <laughs> yeah. a chocolate covered
2: pretzel and uh he's licking his fingers. But yeah, I know what you're talking about, Superman there, and if you look down at Superman's legs, <laughs> that's where it really starts to get off for you because
1: his knee like, has his mark. knee is buckled completely somehow.
2: <laughs> It is, and look at the look at the part of his leg that's like shrouded in shadow. It's like that was almost drawn accidentally, and then it was covered in shadow to like,
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: you know, yeah, totally. But like I said, I I opened up the book and I thought, wow, this apocalypse stuff really looks good, and then pretty much everything else in the issue after that was lesser monkey. Yeah,
1: um, for. Longtime readers of the site, and if not, go to multiversitycomics.com and check out just Google Kubert School. I did a piece on the Cubert School a few years ago and the ladies' room door of the Cubert School has Wonder Woman like with her legs crossed like she really has to pee. And she's basically doing the exact pose that Superman is doing in that in that panel. So Yeah. Um I think this arc could be good. This issue was underwhelming though.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: hmm Alright. Titans number sixteen, written by Dan Abnett, illustrated by Brett Booth. And boy was it illustrated by Brett Booth. Um
3: Man, you you wanna know the like saddest thing about reading an issue with Brett Booth art? What's that? Is that his initials? Both start with B, so you can't switch his, <laughs> his letters and his names around. To look I, I've actually done it. It's like
2: it's like brought it brought something like bet broth, bet broth, bet, broth, bet broth or bet forth. Now he's something a yeah. Star Wars character. I've <laughs> I've done it on Twitter before. Um, I don't remember exactly how I did it though, but uh, this book oh no. this book has some good ideas that are
1: completely not expressed because of the art
3: I okay I, I will say like I I thought that Brett Booth's art in this was if if not good then not bad I thought it, this was good Brett Booth it was
2: it was there was nothing so horribly offensive yeah. that bothered me there was no pizza yeah, that's I, why
3: I mean I actually like I actually kind of liked this I like this issue. You know, after reading uh,
2: Legion Lost, this art is not far off from what like Koipal and Elixir were doing back then. Yeah, you're right. Their facial expressions aren't as doofy as as
3: Brett Booth's. That's true for sure.
2: Well, they um. Bre- Brett Booth over puts too much detail on things. I think. Whereas Coipel and Elixir in that series are content to leave some things to the imagination, you know. Yeah. We'll get to that a little I... bit. Yeah. Was this yeah. the issue? Was it the issue? Was this the issue with the big moment, Zach? That you were talking about? No, it wasn't. Oh, man! It really was. Uh, uh, Wonder Woman, Conan. Then, because we're getting down to the wire here. There's two more. <laughs> um. No, because I, I thought you were gonna say the the last moment where the where the old no, guy comes yeah, back.
3: I, I actually forgot about that. Um, but but that actually was like a pretty cool moment. Yeah, I, I'm I, interested I,
2: to see I'm
1: where that's going
3: to hear what Brian thinks. Well, yeah, I want. I feel like this is like Brian Depp right here. Well,
1: yes and no. <laughs> I I do love me some some Troya. But this appears to be, if you've read the solicits, this appears to be an evil version of Donna Troy from the future. So this is not like '90s Donna coming back. Um,
2: but so this this isn't like this the is Donna a, of tomorrow. I don't something.
1: believe so. No. This isn't
2: this isn't Donna getting reborn. No, oh. I don't believe so. That's, that's too bad. So I... that's, yeah, because that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Um. Like now somehow somehow they're gonna. Combine these characters? Oh God, I hope so. That would be great. Well, that's yeah. That's immediately what I thought. Like, oh, we're just gonna do this for every major set of characters that has this anomaly. Oh dang! Do you think that eventually the Wallies will get combined? Oh, I. They better not. They will never. That that would be. be, That'd be risky. That would be so problematic. That'd be like that Dove ad from. No
1: it wouldn't <laughs> Oh man Uh no I um I mean I, I think we're all pretty much in agreement that there's no fucking way that Wally West is dead. We know I mean, we know that from future future solicitations. things. We know that Wally West is
3: not dead. Um No, no, Brian. Comic characters die. They don't come back. I did think it was a little I know
1: this. I think it was a little bit weird that just let his body lie there for as long as it did. But, you know. <laughs> Whatever.
3: Yeah. We all process grief differently. We do, we do. Um Mr. Twister's back and he's good again.
1: Yeah. yeah. See this this to me actually felt a little bit like Nightwing, in a way, where they're bringing back all these old things from the from earlier in the run to wrap something up. So I'm hoping this book isn't going away. I just hope that Brett is off the book.
3: Well, he does have to go do that uh, Booster Gold arc in action. That is true. So. <laughs> Which, like, I don't know. If it looks like this, I think it could be a good Booster Gold arc.
1: I feel like Booster, says, Booster's a character that, that you can do this with.
3: I'm actually like getting more excited about that arc. I'm setting myself up for supreme disappointment.
1: Well, speaking of supreme disappointment, we get Trinity Number Fourteen, written by Rob Why? Williams, illustrated by V. Ken Marion. It,
3: is this the one where you had forgotten that this arc was still going? And it was one of a few. Of, yeah. 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 Yes. I'm amazed that this is only the third issue of this. I feel like it's been going on for like. That's you're lying. That can't be. No, it's the third issue. What?
2: <laughs> but they've there was a different arc where they did the
3: same sort of thing as it wasn't. Well, that's true. Yes, that's true. Yes, yes. But okay. this is this is part three of the God. the Dark Destiny arc. If you say so.
1: And I feel like each, like, when it was the first one, I'm like, oh, this is, a, this is a fill-in one-shot. Oh, this is a two-parter. Oh, it's a three-parter. Oh, God, it's a four-parter. <laughs> it just keeps getting and, worse. And then I,
2: got, then I got to the end, and it said, next, final sacrifice. And I told myself, oh, God, there's another one of these. And yet I know in a month, when we open up that issue, I'm going to forget that this was, I'm going to see it's the dark stuff again. And <laughs> I'm going to be like, ah, they got me again. <laughs> Ah, Gene. Gene.
3: Every, every every month they're like, uh, "Hey, Francis, um, <laughs> how's, that, how's that new issue of Trinity coming?" He's just like, "No, I'm gonna need another month." Yeah. And they're like, uh, "Hey, Rob, uh,
0: <laughs> he do much you do a souring."
1: I was telling Vince the other day that uh, James Robinson is doing January's Trinity issue.
3: Yeah, he is. So, um,
1: yeah,
2: the tr- the Trinity's going to be Diana, Jason, and uh, and, and Steve. Probably, <laughs> I don't know.
1: Um, oh, you mean Jason, her brother, not Jason Todd? Okay, I was confused for a second. Yeah, okay. No, um, Jason Priestley, <laughs> uh, Canada's finest. Um, I do hope that next issue because it's called Final Sacrifice is just an adaptation of my favorite Mystery Science Theater 3000 movie, The Final Sacrifice. I mean, characters like Zap Rousedower showing up. But <laughs> it would be better than this.
3: Oh, man. Brian, did you read the solicit for the James Robinson issue? I don't
1: know if I did or not. I- I'm writing about it next week, so I kind of just skimmed them quickly. What Lay it on me
3: um it features uh scar taurus and demos last of uh convergence fame jeez oh, did they have like a robinson sex tape that they're
1: like <laughs> holding ransom and they're like you have to finish all the storylines nobody wants to finish
2: james you were a very bad boy for leaving us yes. before now clean up please clean up all these plot lines <laughs> And then maybe we'll let you write what you want to write. If you're good. <laughs>
1: oh,
3: man.
2: All right. Let's 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 get... James, James, you have to write Pandora. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: it all takes we'll place... Back just yeah, it all takes place in the split second before her... Before she's exploded. <laughs> but, you know, because this is... Uh... This is comics in 2017. It's like a six issue miniseries.
3: Yeah. Now he has to tell the story of how she got between all the 52 first issues. <laughs> I, I would. Uh, I'd buy the omnibus. So would that. I. So would I.
1: <laughs> I want to say it was in Justice League. Maybe she was sitting in the bleachers at Vix football game. I'm pretty sure you're right. Yeah.
2: That's yeah. my favorite one. So
1: I just want to see her she buying her a vent. ticket and like a hot dog.
2: She, <laughs> she she came to warn the world about CTE then? Is that yes. what we're... Yes. That would be a
1: hilarious... Not hilarious, the wrong word. That would be a bizarre twist if the Justice League movie was really all about
2: uh, Vic's CTE. It's concussion too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Deadshot shows up as the concussion doctor. Because <laughs> it's Will Smith. I got it. Okay. Um.
1: But let's talk about the Wildstorm guys. Written by Warren guys, Ellis. Guys, this is the one. Written by uh, it was written by John Davis Hunt. What was that, Zach?
3: This is the one. This is the this is the book with the thing. <laughs> with the with the with the Jenny Sparks. Well, no, I was actually more excited about the Doctor coming back. Oh yeah. Because that's like the beginning of the like. You know, just like last month, the, I was saying, the stuff you
2: wanted, yeah. I
3: miss authority stuff, yeah. and not only did we get Jenny stuff, we got the doctor back. Yeah,
2: yeah i uh, I still really like this book. Yeah, it's very, <laughs> it's very explainy. Like, I almost feel like by the time we get to the end of these 24 issues, it's I, I think I think what we thought was that <clears throat> Warren Ellis was going to be taking another crack at writing Wildstorm stories when in reality it it seems like all we're going to get if the pacing continues to be what it is, is him redefining the Wildstorm Storm entirely for other people (laughs) is that is that fair fair, yeah because like we're eight issues in and he's still establishing like like zach said the doctor and jenny sparks and it's taken eight issues to get to that point how is he ever going to tell a story in all of this you know but i'm okay with it like i'm i'm enjoying reading this book every single month but it's very explainy. <laughs> it's a Vox explainer of what the Wildstorm is. <laughs> um,
1: I agree with that, but I also feel like if somebody hadn't read any Wildstorm stuff beforehand and they tried to pick up a book that wasn't this explainy, they'd be so lost.
2: Oh, yeah, totally, totally. It's like Ellis is making it entirely sure that you're going to understand absolutely everything that's going on. I feel like this is the third time he's explained kind of what the deal between uh, the two different companies is, you know? What I think is interesting is
1: I think each time he's explained it differently. Well... What I mean by that is...
2: Not not inconsistently. Well, I
1: I, I think purposely inconsistently. I, I think he's sort of like...
2: Because you know, after after he
1: explains it here, the one character's like, you didn't really tell the whole truth. And he's like, well, I told them what they needed to know. Kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And I, I feel like each time has been very tailored to the audience in which it was being told.
2: Sure. Okay.
3: Yeah. Yeah, this book's still very good. It's gorgeous. Yes, it is. Oh. There's like those like opening pages of like the ship flying across um, like the different worlds. And then all of the like trippy psychedelic stuff, um, which was actually very good. I love the pages that don't have any dialogue. Yeah. That stuff towards the end was beautiful.
1: Agreed. All right. Are we going to talk about Wonder Woman Conan?
2: I mean, we could. I don't have a whole lot to say. Still sucks. <laughs> okay, fine. No, say your piece. It was. It was. Oh, it's okay. I don't think it sucks. It's not doing anything. End your sentence there. You guys were right. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. I'm doing it. Either. Fuck it. I'm, I'm not going to. Def- I don't care about it enough to defend it. <laughs> this isn't the hell you're going to die on. <laughs> no, not at all.
1: Well, let's take a another short break. We'll be back with our wrap up of Legion Lost issues 10, 11, and 12. Hello. We're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily.
3: I'm Zach, and I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations, like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick, so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on MultiversityComics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. All right, everybody, welcome back our last installment of our Legion Lost retrospective. This week we're going to talk about issues 10, 11 and 12 to close out the series and a lot of things happen in these last 3 issues. Yeah. Um we get the big reveal of who has been kind of pulling the the strings with the progeny over the course of the series and it's not someone that you would necessarily expect or I mean I guess they did kind of foreshadow it pretty I mean sort of it was sort of
1: in the 10th issue they really lay on some stuff pretty thick
3: right yeah um, yeah so I guess like not to beat around the bush if you haven't read this yet big spoilers obviously but um element lad who has been missing since the start of the series um, but has been kind of a presence because of the 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 like crystals that he left behind that kind of um, told everyone what had happened and that Kid Quantum had been holding on to. Um, we find out that he, um, when all of the things happened at the beginning of the series, he was displaced from time and space and kind of got reinserted at the. I guess sort of like beginning of time and becomes this like God essentially of this universe and has been um, sort of like orchestrating everything from the beginning.
2: Yeah, it was wild. Um, <laughs> yeah. We, I have to say I, I saw that coming before the final page reveal yeah, same here. Just be, just just because of how it was telegraphed. But what I did not expect was how the stuff with Element Lad would result in kind of a really dire ending for this miniseries.
3: Mm.
2: Like it's 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 kind of a bummer.
3: Yeah, we get uh, we get two characters who um, either either Sacrifice themselves or die. Um, like two main characters. The monstrous
1: death really hurt me. Oh yeah.
3: man, it kind of came out of nowhere. It was like very sudden. And Did very, I... w- very well
2: written. Very, um, you felt that pain
3: mm-hmm.
2: come through. How how betrayed she felt, and uh, and yeah. I have to say, I've said this before. Like, try as I might. I have a hard time caring about the the Legion characters just because I, th- I think that they're oftentimes written without flavor. And I cared, I cared a lot at the end of this.
3: Yeah, I it's it's interesting that we're reading this now with all the things that are going on with um, the Watchmen. But I got some like very heavy Doctor Manhattan vibes. Oh, totally, yeah, from <laughs> yeah. Element Lad, like. Explicitly so, like especially you know, with the way he just kind of like vaporizes uh, monstrous and and some other things. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was interesting. It's it's a it's a turn that I definitely did not expect this series to take for sure. And then
1: in that last issue, we see. Um... Essentially, you mentioned it before the a sacrifice of. And I mean, at one point, the whole team is going to sacrifice their lives to stop the um, to stop essentially Element Lead from getting through the portal into the the real world. You know, not the real world, their world rather. Um, mm-hmm. And but it turns out at the end that it's just um, what is he going by in this point? He's not going by li- uh, live, live wire. wire we see livewire essentially attempt to he, he stays behind to stop um to stop element lad from essentially destroying that part of the universe as well and
3: right right and not yeah not only does he sacrifice himself in doing that but he also um you know it's it's interesting that we're talking about this now and after talking about um Tom King's Batman and how Tom K- hit that Batman um kind of lets other people get their hands dirty so that he doesn't have to mm-hmm. whereas in this case um we have a character who kind of sacrifices his, his own moral code his own sense of I guess like honor to do He resigns from the to Legion do the yeah. dirty work. Yeah yeah, he resigns from the Legion because um there's a big point made in these last few issues of you know, the Legion code not to, not to kill. And so, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. What did you guys think about that? Vince, go ahead. Yeah. I, I thought it was a, I thought it was just a
2: typically, I think a good thing that this, uh, series did was handle moral complexities like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't really that's a good point bringing up it bringing it up in the context of uh Batman. That's interesting. Yeah, I thought it was an effective ending,
1: especially because I am I would I would presume the most legion ignorant of the three of us and the legion stories I have read have been much older ones. So I don't know if any of these characters have returned in any way. So to me this all felt very um very final and very final I'm sure it's not I'm sure that with the the reboots and that it've been back but
2: I really well that was go ahead that was that was going to be my question because th- they they all have been back in the new 52 but I don't know what happened to them pre-flashpoint
3: well so this this version of the legion isn't the one that was around pre-Flashpoint, like, immediately pre-Flashpoint. There was another... There were actually two more reboots in between. (laughs) Um, There was the big Mark Wade reboot that um, got rid of all of this stuff, and then Jeff Johns came back around and went back to, like, the pre-Crisis Legion again. So, iterations of these characters have definitely appeared. I'm pretty sure that Abnett and Landing did a series that followed this, and I think that these characters do make it back. I'm not positive um, because I haven't read it. Although I would really like to go read it now um, and just see what happens next. But um, it did have like a sense of finality to it and a sense of um, self-containedness. I mean, even even the fact that you miniseries don't have even
1: the fact you don't see the Legion safely get, get back home. You know that you know they go through that right. door, but you don't see them safely enter there. It just felt very. It, it felt like a cliffhanger that you know isn't going to necessarily be resolved.
3: Mm-hmm. Right, right, yeah. It 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 kind of it was interesting in in the way that it ended. That it it kind of highlighted that the the point of this story wasn't the legion being found, which is kind of ironic because that's the the cover text of the last issue. Right. Um, yeah, it's them that, reclaiming
1: that the... being the legion,
3: right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I thought that I thought that was really interesting. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the art because maybe it's just me, but I feel like there's a distinct, if if it's maybe slightly subtle, but I do think a, a visible. Evolution in Koypel's art from the first issue to this issue. Yeah, yeah I'll agree with sure. that. Yeah, it's a it seems a lot cleaner, uh-huh. um, a lot closer toward what we would be seeing in three or four years later, um, over at Marvel. And I I think it I think it looks a a lot better towards the end.
2: Yeah, and and for me, it did a really good job of selling those emotions. Which, if I can say that about comic book art, that means that that they did a good job. I think because it's more than it's more than just words on a page. You know, um, like the way that he depicts monstrous monstrous's reaction to all of this is just as heartbreaking as any of the words. You yep. know.
3: Yep, yep. Also, it's funny. Um, I th- well, I thought it was interesting that um, these issues featured a Halo, um, months prior to the release of the original Halo game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: the Halo, think... uh, the Halo of Worlds. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny.
1: Yeah, I I yeah, really enjoyed uh, this. I, I I thoroughly enjoyed this series.
3: Yeah, I did too. I think a lot more than I even really expected to.
2: Yeah, I think I'm going to attempt to read all the Abnett and Lanning uh, Legion
3: stuff now. Mm-hmm. Track it down somehow. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, well they they just came out with that trade that collects um, the the issues that preceded this, and so I. Assume if that does well, they'll probably start collecting more of it. Um, And so there's there's that, and then Legion Lost. um, I think we've talked about this before, but concurrent to Legion Lost, there was a six issue miniseries called Legion Worlds Mm -hmm. that I think was focusing on the the Legionnaires who were left behind. You know,
1: starring Kirk Cameron in
3: like the yeah, exactly. (laughs) But no, like all the all the basically the Legion that wasn't lost, yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's a series that ran for thirty something issues. Just the, called, Legion, the Legion, right? Yeah that 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 follows both of those.
1: Well, speaking of reading, we're gonna be reading something else in November. We were originally planning on taking a, a month off between these reading assignments, but due to the fact that Doomsday Clock starts in November. We thought it would be a good idea to reread Watchmen before we uh, we dive into Doomsday Clock, even though I'm sure for for all three of us, we've read Watchmen a number of times. It's just, you know, it'll be a good exercise to get ready for Doomsday Clock. So,
2: yeah. And, you know, nobody's ever really studied Watchmen before. That's true. Um, Nobody's ever talked about it on a podcast or or done any sort of annotations of it or anything so we're, we're really going to be breaking some new ground here
3: it's true it's really true this has been like a very like overlooked piece of um you know literature Right.
2: and well you know i suppose dc is running out of uh things to go back to so they've dug out this, this old
3: fossil you know forgot yeah, this Really, this really obscure riff on you yeah, know some yeah. some old characters. Yeah.
1: What I think we should probably do is save the twelve issues of Watchmen for the week before and just read all the Before Watchmen books for the next three weeks. <laughs> oh,
3: man. Did you? I've not actually ever read an issue of Before Watchmen. I
1: reviewed the entire what? fucking thing
2: for Multiversity.
3: What? Wait, wait, Zach. What? I never read. I didn't
2: read any of it. Any of it. Not not a single issue. I mean, I gave up on every single series about halfway through, but I can't...
3: I read The Full
2: Watchmen, The Dollar Bill, guys.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Um, man. Yeah, I don't really know how I did it. I think, um... I think maybe there was a part of me that was thinking I would wait and read it in trade. (laughs) Hmm. Um... But then I never did. I I would still really like to go back and read the Darwin Cook stuff someday. Um should, I shouldn't, should I not? It's just it's not fine. not even not even the Minutemen. It's fine. You know what it is?
1: It's it's pretty Darwin Cook art surrounded by a nothing story. Well, okay. So so you so you yeah. only know of Bitch to be you second hand? Yeah, I guess so. Well, Let's hope that by the end of next month, it's not bitch to be all of us. But until then, it will be be, absolutely until then you can find all of us on Twitter. I am at Brian
2: I'm at VJ underscore O S T R O W S K I. And please don't message us about how Watchmen has been studied before. And here's a (laughs) link to a website because you don't understand
3: irony or something like that. Please actually, I didn't, has it been studied? Well, tweet at Zach. if, If it has been studied, where can they tweet at you? They can tweet me at VJ underscore <laughs> O-S-G-W-R-O-K. <As a> th- <laughs> i yep. or, uh, I'm at SirFox89.
1: And we're back next week to talk about the men of Watch and the rest of DC Comics. So good <sighs> night. I the GABA Goobers.